Hello friend, I'm so glad you joined me for today's episode of Balanced Black Girl. We're in our second week of the Reframing the Reset series and challenge focused on cultivating better habits in the new year. If you're just now joining us, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. It is not too late to join the Reframing the Reset Challenge. Essentially, each week you'll have a supportive prompt to help you apply what you learn from the podcast to your daily life to help you find your balance. So you can go to balanceblackgirl.com slash reset to join the challenge and you'll get some starting prompts and an invite to join our Geneva community to connect with other listeners and share your check-ins as you complete the challenge. Last week, we talked about habits and what it looks like to form, shift, and reset our habits. And a lot of this series was put together through a combination of research and my own personal experience, though I've put in a lot of intentional work to (laughs) improve my habits. I am nowhere near perfect. I am also very much a student of this. I've absolutely struggled with habits throughout my life and it continues to be something that I work towards. And as I was reflecting on my own experience with habits, I thought about the time in my life when my habits really started going left (laughs) and what some of my biggest obstacles to having positive habits have been in my life. And they've largely related to technology, screen time social media, just been tearing me up since day one. Now, my work revolves around social media content and being online, and it has afforded me some incredible opportunities. And so I'm not going to talk bad about being online. It's the way of the world. It's, It's a big part of our lives at this point. For many of us, we can't be fully offline. It's where we work. It's how we communicate. It's how we connect with others. We can learn so much from being online. We can start businesses But when left unchecked, it can also be a really big distraction and can really rob us of our time and our focus and energy if we aren't careful. As I mentioned, my habits really started going left when I was introduced to social media. I was about 15 when MySpace popped off, and I was actually a little late to the party on that one. Most of the people at my school already had one. I was just very oblivious. It was just a key characteristic of my personality at that time. I didn't even know what it was until a friend of mine mentioned it and said I should get one. Uh, Now, before this, I actually had pretty good habits. Oddly, my wake up super early and have productive mornings and time for stillness, I actually started that when I was about 12. My house was a little loud, (laughs) Uh, and that was not the smoothest time in my home life. And I found that if I woke up in the morning before my family, I just had some peace and quiet, which being a more introverted person, I'm someone who gets kind of easily overwhelmed with a lot of stimuli, that stillness and that quiet time was golden. And so the only time that I could really get it was in the morning. So when I was about 12, I would wake up super early, I would read, I would draw, I would write, I would listen to music, I would do my homework. And now that I think about it, that time in my life really set the stage for my current morning routine. Like I've been doing this for a minute. I just had this ability to focus with ease and it continued for a few years until, you know, fast forward a few years later and I was introduced to social media. Now, I was late to the party on MySpace, but once I was there, I was there. I was getting more dopamine and interaction online than I ever got in person, at school, anywhere else. I didn't realize how starved for social interaction I was, but once I started getting it online, the addition to the hyper-awareness and notifications and interaction 
came really quick. I quickly became very addicted to it. Soon I started having a hard time focusing and prioritizing and having that sense of stillness I had before I was introduced to it. And that continued through the next several phases of my life and it had continued from platform to platform. Now, I know I'm not alone in that. I know so many of us, especially as millennials and Gen Z who grew up with this technology from a young age, can really struggle with finding that balance because it's so embedded in our daily lives. So much of my personal work around habits has revolved around modifying my behavior to rely on the dopamine hits from I get from being online less and less. Now, collectively, screen time has been on the rise for more than a decade. According to a 2028 Nielsen study, adults spent around two hours and 22 minutes consuming media on screens each day, which is already pretty high. Then we got to consider when the pandemic hit, all hell broke loose, especially when restrictions were tighter. There wasn't really much else to do besides be home and focus on a screen. There haven't yet been any credible studies that have aggregated how much more time we've all spent on our screens since the pandemic started. I'm sure that that will be coming in the in the next few years. But we don't need a study to tell us that it's likely quite a bit higher than what was already high. <laughs> we lived it. We feel it. We're aware. Now, Increasing screen time, particularly time spent on social media, can be linked to feelings of inadequacy, isolation, depression, and anxiety, as well as being sedentary. So if we're going to be our most vibrant, healthy selves, we have to practice digital self-care. We have to manage having healthier relationships with our devices, how we use them, and what we seek from them. So let's talk about some digital self-care strategies we can implement. And later in the episode, I'm going to talk through this week's Reframing the Reset Challenge to help you practice better digital self-care. First, I want to talk about just the awareness of what we're doing online and practicing mindful consumption. When I feel like my relationship with social media and being online is not in the best place, I start looking at, okay, what about this is making me not feel good? Am I following or seeing content that doesn't resonate or align with my values? Am I comparing myself to other people too much? Do I find that I'm just bored or avoiding other areas of my life and just doom scrolling and the anxiety that comes from letting the other things that I need to be doing mount to just getting to me? Like, what is it? What is the issue? Is it all of the above? Like, we need to get really clear on what it is that we're feeling. So once that is identified, we can then take action to mitigate. It's really hard to help yourself if you don't know what you're helping yourself with. So if you feel like social media just has you feeling meh, you're comparing yourself, you don't like what you see, it's time to take control of the situation. Now you can't control what other people share, but you can control what it is you see. So if you need to mute, if you need to block, if you need to unfollow, please do so. If it's for your well-being, then it is worth it. Now listen, I will mute somebody in a heartbeat if the vibes are off. I have even (laughs) muted people that I love dearly because seeing them pop up is either triggering or overwhelming, and I need to just have a little bit more control over when I'm exposed to what they share. So maybe I will seek out their content when I'm ready to like check in and see what's going on versus having it just pop up organically. And it's okay to do so. That is an act of self-care. So please, please, please mute, block, unfollow, whatever it is you need to do. 
That goes for accounts and people who build their entire presence around harmful, hateful, or toxic content. Things that are not helpful to our community. Places where the comment section is a cesspool. My friend, if you are trying to find your balance, I promise you, you will not find it in the comment section (laughs) of any of that content. I promise you, you will not. Again, you can't control what people share. You can control what you see and you can control how you deal with those feelings you get from what you see, right? We can't always control our initial responses to things. If something brings a certain response or activates us, we can't necessarily control it in that moment, but we can control what we do with those feelings after and how we tend to ourselves after. So if someone posts something that activates our nervous system, we can control what we do with that information. If someone posts something that activates feelings within us, we can spiral, we can doubt ourselves, we can go down a whole rabbit hole of comparison, or we can sit with that feeling. We can grab a journal. We can write about how we're feeling. We can get curious about what activated us and why. Do you see the distinction between those two responses to seeing something that maybe doesn't make us feel good? We can either follow it down the spiral or we can kind of have a sense of curiosity with ourselves and be like, hmm, what is that? Let me let me go to my journal. Let me write about how I'm feeling. Let me ask myself a few more questions to understand why this is bothering me in this way. Those different reactions to what we see can create a whole different experience for us online and offline. Now, on a platform like TikTok, it's hard because the For You page can serve you anything, which is part of the fun because you never know what you're going to get. But it's also a lot more challenging to control what you see. So I would recommend that you follow good accounts, follow people who inspire you, who make you laugh, maybe in healthy ways. (laughs) So maybe not like an emphasis on dark humor. I mean, I love dark humor, but you know, sometimes if, if we're trying to feel good, that may not necessarily cut it, at least for me, but do you. Get off the For You page for a little while and spend more time on the following tab because you can control who you're following. So if you follow uplifting content that inspires you, that helps you learn, that helps you think, that's thought-provoking, spend a little bit more time on the following tab so that you are served with that content if you're feeling like you're a little activated. Now, Instagram, it's easier to curate what you want to see because you mainly see people you follow. But the best way to get good content shown to you on Instagram is to interact with it. If there is a person or an account that shares content that makes you feel good, that inspires you, don't be a lurker because if you're just a lurker, you're probably not going to see their content. Like their posts, comment, share, respond to their stories. Not only will this help their engagement, which is really important, but it will also signal to the algorithm that that's what you want to see. So the algorithm will serve you more of that. I also really love the favorites feature on Instagram where you're able to have a feed that only shows uh, content from accounts that you favorite. One of my kind of favorite things to do is curating my favorites maybe every couple of months to align with content that is inspiring for a certain goal that I'm trying 
to reach. Highly, highly recommend doing this if you don't already. And then spending a bit more time on the favorites tab as opposed to just the following tab so that you only see content that aligns with your goals, that inspires you, that makes you feel good and helps you move forward. So favorite some accounts that support what you're working towards, uh, maybe from the life audit that we did at the beginning of the challenge and keep your IG on your favorites tab just to see how that feels. Doing this has actually completely changed my experience on the app. I highly, highly recommend it because you are the boss. You are in control of you. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, especially Twitter, (laughs) especially Twitter and especially right now are not in control of you. If you're going to be on these platforms, you can practice digital self-care by telling these algorithms what you want to see. The algorithm is not in control. You are in control. Tell it what you want it to do. Tell it what you want to see. Share the goodness. Share the good quotes and the good podcasts and the images that spark joy for you. Stop giving your energy and attention and engagement to posts that are designed to upset you because they want to evoke a response from you. There are so many platforms who their entire goal, their entire strategy, their businesses whose entire strategies is to upset us, particularly Black women so that they can keep their engagement up. You realize that? Like their whole strategy is to keep us as upset (laughs) and stressed and frustrated as possible to keep their engagement up. They're profiting off of upsetting us. We can't have that. We got to take our engagement back and give it to friends, give it to family, give it to platforms that are supporting you and that are helping you. And mindful curation and mindful engagement can go a really long way. Now, I also want to talk about creation versus consumption. I actually think the hardest role to have on social media is to solely consume. I think it's really exhausting to solely watch what everyone else is doing. Now, I'm not saying you need to be a content creator because Lord knows that comes with its own challenges and its own stuff. It's not for everyone. It also wouldn't be fun if everybody was trying to do that. It also impacts mental health in a totally different way. But I do think having creative outlets so that you aren't in consumption mode all the time can help you have a better relationship with what you see. It helps you appreciate the content you see and the work that has gone into it because you understand that perspective a little bit more, or it can spark creativity for whatever endeavors or projects or hobbies that you have. So healthy creative expression really helps you take the content you see with a grain of salt. It gives you a different perspective. So if you want to just share a beautiful sunset that you see or the morning coffee you love or link a playlist that you're loving, whatever it is, do it. Put some of that out there. Or if you want to take that totally offline and you want to start painting, you want to start doing pottery, you want to start dancing, Swap some of that consumption time with creation, whether you do that online or offline, because it can really shift your perspective in beautiful ways. And last year, we did a few episodes on the links between creativity and well-being that we can link in the show notes if you need a little bit of creative inspiration. But getting out of consumption mode and into creation mode really puts you in the driver's seat and offers a valuable perspective. So to summarize our thoughts on mindful consumption, one, remember that you are in control of what you see and how you react to what you see. Mute, block, unfollow as needed, and engage with what lifts you up to see more of it. 
Don't let content that is designed to upset you get to your precious time and energy. Remember time abundance. It's the most precious resource we have. Don't spend it on people who are trying to profit off of upsetting you. Two, if you feel called to step out of consumption mode and into creation mode here and there to just to take more ownership of your experience and to take a break from taking in what everyone else is putting out there really helps you shift your mindset. So we're going to pause for a quick word from our sponsors. Then after the break, we're going to talk through strategies for healthier screen time management. Welcome back. So we just finished talking about mindful consumption online. The next area of digital self-care that I want to talk about is screen time awareness. So as I mentioned earlier, the amount of time many of us spend on screens has increased exponentially in recent years. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to do with your time or how much time you should or shouldn't spend on your devices. If you want to hear more about time management and taking ownership of our time, again, I definitely recommend checking out our episode on time abundance, but there are mechanisms available to help us track our screen time to get a better understanding of what our digital habits are. And also, if you're anything like me, you might completely ignore them. Like Apple's little screen limits, I will, you know, remind me in 15 minutes until the cows come home if I'm just really in the mood to scroll. And honestly, I don't personally bother looking at my screen time, you know, summaries each week because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. (laughs) In fact, I don't think the amount of time we spend on our screens actually tells us the whole story. If you were to look at my weekly screen time amounts, it would look wild. It would look wild. But the reason why it would look wild is because I often tend to turn on like YouTube sleep sounds or sleeping affirmations or music frequencies while I sleep because it just really helps calm me. So yeah, if a YouTube video is running for several hours each night, then my phone is going to track that as if I'm up scrolling and doing that, even though I'm not. So while the stats and the tracking can be helpful just to understand a baseline, it's not always going to tell the whole story. However, I do think looking at why we're reaching for our screens from a qualitative standpoint is important to share as opposed to only looking at the quantitative. So do you notice that your screen time goes up during times of stress or sadness? Do you notice that you tend to spend less time online when you're feeling content? How do your feelings correlate with your digital habits? It could be really helpful to reflect on that and to see if any patterns emerge. For me, when I reflect on this, I notice that when I feel overwhelmed, my screen time goes up because scrolling and being on my phone is my procrastination method of choice. So when I feel unsure or overwhelmed by what's on my plate, I have a tendency to go online to avoid whatever it is that I should be doing. So that's just an example that I've noticed when I started examining my own behavior. So reflect on what that looks like for you and what patterns emerge. And think about how you want to feel. Are you looking for an escape from reality? Are you looking for connection? If you're feeling down, are you looking for something that will make you laugh? What are you actually seeking when you reach for your phone or when you reach for your apps? Like, What is it that you're actually looking for? Once you've identified what it is that you're seeking, Start looking for ways you can get what you're seeking that maybe doesn't involve being online or maybe involves being in more positive spaces. 
So if you're seeking connection, can you call someone instead of checking their story? If you're feeling overwhelmed and want to procrastinate, can you take a walk or get some fresh air instead of hopping on Instagram, which this is me calling myself in on that one because I'm guilty. So with these examples, you're still getting that connection by calling someone or you're getting a break from what's overwhelming you by taking that walk, but you're getting that need met in a way that feels more satisfying and is actually helping you and is actually going to maybe provide some relief. So instead of judging yourself for how much time you spend on screens, investigate the why behind the time you're spending on screens and find other ways to fulfill those needs that feel more supportive and nurturing and just a little bit healthier. I have to say this next part of our digital self-care conversation might be my favorite. I save the best for last. I love, I love just a good organization mission. So let's talk about digital decluttering. So during last year's Reframing the Reset series, I actually did an episode about reframing our relationship with stuff and why tending to our physical spaces and decluttering is an act of self-care. It was actually the most popular episode of last year's series, so I will link it in the show notes if you want to check it out or re-listen. And in that episode, I talked a lot about decluttering our physical spaces, but decluttering our digital spaces is just as important. Now, what do I mean by decluttering your digital spaces? I mean, do your digital spaces bring you peace or do they overwhelm you? We all know what it's like to have a doom pile or drawer or cabinet at home that we just shove stuff into or we just don't go near or that chair that we throw the laundry on. But a lot of us also treat our digital spaces like that chair we throw the laundry on. You know what I'm saying? So think about how is that inbox looking? How is the camera roll looking? How are the downloads folder on your computer looking? How many tabs do you have open? How many apps are on your phone that you don't need? Is Apple taking your money for iCloud every month? Meanwhile, you don't even know what's in the iCloud or if you need it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. This is the part that can be really fun. Our key theme here is putting you in the driver's seat. You are the boss. Your phone is not the boss. Your computer is not the boss. Alexa is not the boss. Unless your name is Alexa, then you, my dear, are the boss. But you know what I mean. Siri's not the boss. You know know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) But first, I want you to think about how being in your digital spaces makes you feel. How do you feel when you open your inbox? How do you feel when you open your camera roll? How do you feel when you're looking for a file on your computer? This can be work or personal. Current state, how do they make you feel? If your first thought was overwhelmed or distracted or frustrated, then that's okay. Then that means this is the perfect time for this exercise. That's what we're here to solve. Now, I want you to think about how you want to feel in your digital spaces. Maybe you want to feel calm. You want to feel like you're navigating them easily, like you know exactly where everything is and things are organized and clearly labeled. When you think about how your digital spaces currently make you feel and the difference between that and how you want to feel, what is the main blocker causing that discrepancy? Is it a lack of systems? Do you have a hard time finding things you need so you find yourself getting distracted, maybe on social media because you can't find your meditation app? How can your devices support how you want to feel? How can it be a tool to help you feel more of what you want to feel? 
Once you are clear on that, we can get to decluttering. Like I said, I recommend focusing on one area at a time, particularly the area that has the biggest impact on how you feel. So maybe that's clearing out your inbox, or maybe that's cleaning up your camera roll, or maybe that's going through your subscriptions and canceling things you're paying for and don't need to be, or consolidating your bank accounts so that you're managing your money in one place. Like what is the main digital space of yours that needs a little bit of love? So for me, my inbox and my camera roll are a constant work in progress. So identify what that area is for you that would have the biggest impact on how you feel. Next, we're going to take action. You're going to get to work decluttering this digital space. Now, I think ultimately these are things we can all do, and, and, and I like doing this a few times a year, but I recommend focusing on one at a time. So if your inbox needs some help, maybe that looks like taking an afternoon to go through your emails, archive what you no longer need, and label or file things you want to hold on to. You can also look at what emails you're subscribed to and unsubscribe from ones you don't want to hear from. If your camera roll needs some love, maybe you can use an app like Smart Cleaner to clean up your camera roll. I like Smart Cleaner. It goes through your photos and helps you delete duplicates and old screenshots and things that you don't need so that you don't have to do it manually. And for old images that you want to keep but don't need to be on your phone, you can back them up to an app like Amazon Photos, which offers free photo storage to Prime members. If you're someone who creates content, it can be really helpful to delete old videos and images from old campaigns that you just don't need anymore. And while I'm creating sponsored content or working on certain campaigns, I actually really like to create folders for each campaign so that when it's time for me to post or if I'm editing, I'm not digging all through my camera roll for all sorts of different things. I like to keep it in an album so that it's really clean. It's easy for me to post the footage and then Once that's posted, once I no longer need it, I can just delete the album and it's a really easy way to get that clutter out. Now, let's say you're an app girly and you have a whole bunch of apps. Now, I'm not telling you to delete any apps, but I'm going to highly suggest you organize your apps in a way that better supports how you want to feel. On the homepage of my phone, I only have apps that keep me connected or make me feel good. So I have my Notion widgets, my Google Calendar, I have my Aura Ring and my Natural Cycles app, I have my workout apps, and then I have Open, which is my meditation app. So when I unlock my phone on the home screen, those are the only things I see, things that keep me organized, that keep me exercising or meditating. And if I want to get to Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, those are back a few pages and take just a few more swipes a little bit more work to get to. So I'm less likely to be distracted by them as soon as I reach for my phone. So organize your apps to support your success, not your distractions. Make the things that help you be successful really easy to find and easy to get into and the things that distract you a little bit harder to find. So it's not going to necessarily prevent you from going on social media all the time, but just that little bit of work can help bring a little bit of pause. Or if you're going on your phone for a specific purpose, you're not going to get distracted by maybe seeing an Instagram notification as soon as you unlock your home screen if it's you know a few swipes back. Now this would also be a really great time to go to your notification settings and make some adjustments. I hate notifications. I don't even use the word hate often, but I hate notifications. And every time I get a new phone, the first thing I do is I turn them off. 
banner notifications, lock screen notifications, they've all got to go. I think I'm still traumatized from the blinking red light of the BlackBerry era, which is really dating myself, but notifications of all kinds, they're just overwhelming. So what I like to do is I have contacts who are in my favorites, like my family and people who truly need to reach me and their calls and notifications from them will always come through. I can always see their stuff, but everybody else, I will see it when I see it. Email notifications, those are turned off. Social media notifications, I mean, I don't think I've had a social media notification since 2013. (laughs) It has to go. I can go to it, but I don't need the distractions to come to me. Work for your distractions. Make them harder to get to. Don't let them come to you when you're trying to be in a period of focus. So keep the notifications on for things that are high priority or things that are helpful, right? I love my notifications from the open app reminding me to meditate or from my aura ring reminding me to get up and move around, but I don't need a notification letting me know that I got a comment on Instagram. I can see that when I go and I open Instagram. So next, let's talk about the computer. Talk about the computer, the fun stuff. I love organizing computer files. It really relaxes me. This is how I enjoy myself. (laughs) Like a good file naming system, chef's kiss. Uh, If you need to clean up your computer, there are a few main areas I would start with. First of all, your desktop. I think computer desktops can tell us a lot about a person and their current state of mind. Get that desktop clean. Also, your downloads. Also, your bookmarks. (laughs) Desktops get really messy. It's great to revisit them periodically. Get rid of old screenshots or files that you don't need or back up or file the things that you do need. The downloads folder can get a little out of hand and downloads is really not designed for storage. It should truly be a pit stop for documents you download before they get filed wherever they need to be stored or disposed of if you only needed to reference them for a second. So go through your downloads, file or back up the documents you need and delete what you don't. Actually, at the start of each new year, I like to move the files from the year before to an external hard drive to free up space on my computer and start fresh. So that could be really great if you find that your computer files are getting really messy. Uh, And don't forget to empty the trash to free up space because moving something to the trash moves it out of the way, but it doesn't actually delete from your system. Also, while we're working on the computer, friend, we got to talk about the web browser situation particularly the tabs and the bookmarks. Now, I used to be a have 1 million tabs open kind of person, if this is a a safe space for confession. I did it because I would find things that I wanted to read, but I didn't want to add it to bookmarks because my bookmarks were always a mess. So I would just leave tabs open so that I wouldn't forget about them. This was really ineffective (laughs) and overwhelming. Now I religiously use the save to Notion extension on Chrome. You connect it to your Notion account. And then when you send something to Notion, you can add a link to a Notion database, or you can even clip the web content and it will import the text into a page in your Notion that you can always go back and reference later. This helps me save interesting articles and resources and cuts down on how many tabs I have open. Also going through your bookmarks, if you do like to use bookmarks and saving the relevant ones to Notion, deleting the ones you no longer need can free up so much mental and visible space. 
So I just threw a lot at you. We're going to pause for a quick recap. One, identify how you'd like your digital spaces to support how you want to feel and pick one space to focus on. That is your activity for this week's Reframing the Reset Challenge. Just pick one area of your digital life that you want to streamline or declutter. This could be cleaning your inbox, organizing your camera roll, cleaning up and reorganizing your apps, turning off your notifications, clearing out your desktop and downloads, or sprucing up your Chrome to clear out old extensions and bookmarks so that you don't have as many tabs distracting you and overwhelming you. That is your goal for this week. So join us for the Reframing the Reset Challenge at balanceblackgirl.com slash reset. And when you do your digital declutter, check in with us in the monthly challenge room in our Geneva space so that we can cheer you on. It's also the perfect place to share tips and tools we find along the way. So if you find anything cool to help you stay digitally organized, share it with us there. I'll be in there sharing my tips and favorite apps, and I would love to hear yours too. The digital space can be an incredible tool when you curate it to best support you. I can't wait to hear how the digital decluttering goes for you, whether that's cleaning up a digital space, doing some unfollowing on social media, or unsubscribing in your inbox and everything in between. Head to the show notes for resources related to this week's episode. And while you're there, make sure you check out our discount codes and special offers from our sponsors. When you use our codes and links that signals to our sponsors that you learned about them through Balanced Black Girl, it really helps us with the show and you get hooked up with some great deals. So it's a win-win. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and I hope it inspired your digital self-care routine. Now, next week, we're getting wellnessy. I am really excited because this is the kind of content that I love. We're talking about working out, creating workout plans that really help our long-term health and longevity, why prioritizing the building and preservation of muscle is so important for overall health, and ways you can prioritize muscle with your movement and nutrition. It's a must-listen. You do not want to miss it. So I'll see you back here next week. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so that you can catch the next episode as soon as it drops.